Hi, I'm Jill, and you've landed on the Grow Like a Mother podcast. This is a place where we lean into all things motherhood and personal growth. We talk about the good, bad, and ugly in a way that's real and relatable. Whether I'm interviewing guests or sharing my own wisdom and learnings, this is half an hour for you. Put this on in your car or on a walk, while you're doing chores, wherever it fits into your life and give yourself the gift of prioritizing yourself. You'll hear tips and tricks and tactics to help you get aligned with the version of you that doesn't just go by the name mom. You'll hear my methods of time ownership and goal achievement and learn how to master your mindset and tune into your intuition. These are the things that can create true transformation in how you navigate life and take you from feeling overwhelmed to in control. This is Motherhood Mixed with Woo. Thanks so much for joining me. Let's dive in. Hey, welcome to the Grow Like a Mother podcast. I am here with you for another week. My name is Jill. I hope that you are enjoying this podcast. It is so much fun for me to create. And I get to talk to some really amazing people like today when I interviewed Miss Angela Meyer. She's a clinical certified hypnotherapist, an NLP practitioner, an author, a blogger, a podcaster, a motivational speaker, and a wellness coach. So pretty rad. She's got over 20 years of experience working with all different types of people, and she's actually been voted the best hypnotherapist in her area over the last 12 years running. So she knows what she's talking about. And today we're talking about all things mindset, triggers, mental health, different ways we can empower ourselves to break patterns of negative thinking, all in an effort to give you tools to better your life. So I'm so excited. Without further ado, please welcome Angela Meyer to the Grow Like a Mother podcast. Welcome, Angela, to the Grow Like a Mother podcast. I appreciate you being here with me today. I'm super excited to chat with you. Yes, thank you for having me here today. I'm excited to um, chat and get to know more about you and us connecting and all that great stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So um, let's start by doing a little intro to you because you've got a pretty interesting background. You cover some really cool topics and I love um, what you're all about. Can you give the listeners a little bit of a, a bio, quick little background? Yes. So I am a clinical certified hypnotherapist. I've been doing this for little over 20 years. And um, on Friday, I got the announcement that now for 13 consecutive years, I've been voted the best hypnotherapist for the Salem, Oregon area. So I'm very happy about that. Congrats. That's exciting. Yeah, yeah I, um, I'm a wellness coach, um, NLP practitioner. I'm an author. Um, the book is The Undetected Narcissist. I have a podcast under the same name and a website. And that's a whole interesting, you know, story there. But um, yeah, I really enjoy working with people and definitely educating and informing people because the number one thing I hear from everyone that, you know, meets me or interviews me is like, oh, I wish I met you 10 years ago or 20 years ago or 30 years ago. And one guy was like, I wish, you know, the stuff you talk about was taught in high school. He's like, I'm learning so much from you. So, um, so I, you know, really enjoy informing people about, you know, things that 
everyday people are going to experience. I mean, we, we are. And so I'd rather people, you know, be aware of these things than um, get blindsided. Yeah, well, I, I just wanted to sort of acknowledge that you're talking about things that are super important and um, collectively experienced, but that aren't normally talked about, which I really love. And I appreciate that you are bringing these ideas into sort of the general public, if you will, because there's so much value in talking about the wellness piece. There's so much value in understanding NLP and hypnosis. And actually, maybe for those people who in the audience have no real basis of what that is, can you give um, maybe just first with hypnosis and then with NLP, a really brief kind of what the heck is it in real life? Yes. Yeah. Um, so I have to say we meditation right now is really, really big. It's on Time Magazine. It's in Newsweek. It's in, you know, it's all over. Meditate, meditate, meditate. It is basically the same exact thing as hypnosis. Okay. Same exact thing. Same exact thing as creative visualization, guided imagery, as relaxation techniques, you know, even doing breath work. So what you're doing is you're relaxing the body and you're quieting the mind, but you're also slowing down your brainwave patterns. And you're going from, what is it? It's alpha, beta, theta, um, delta. So right now you're in a state where you're taking in information, okay? But when you go down to the next level, you are going in and out of your subconscious mind. And the best way to and and the best way to describe that is if you have kids and your kids are playing a video game or watching TV and you're like, "Hey John, hey John," and they're on another planet, that's the same example of what hypnosis is like. You're just very, very relaxed. You're, you're conscious of what's going on. You're just in a daydreaming kind of state. Mm -hmm. All right. And there's three types of people that hypnosis doesn't work for. One is someone with an IQ below 70, someone that's on a lot of drugs like speed or heroin. And then the third one is someone that just doesn't want to be hypnotized. Because you have to be willing to relax and slow down your, you know, your brainwave patterns in order to, you know, make that happen. Um, and when someone says something to you that goes against your morals, values, and belief systems, you can reject it as well. It can just bounce off like a ping pong ball. So if I said to you in a relaxed state that salads are bad for your health, you hate salads, you're your conscious mind's going to kick in and go, Hey, wait a minute. I love salads. No, that's not true. And you'll immediately reject it. All right. Now, when it comes to NLP, the parts that I really love about it is when we're all born, we're whole. So think of a circle. All right. And when certain life events happen to us, parts of that circle get fragmented and a little piece of the pie comes apart. And we can create what we call subpersonalities and um, part separation. So a good example of that would be where 
someone asked you to do something and you just say, no, no, I, I can't do that. There's a part of me that just can't do that. When you say that there's a part of me, you're literally talking about that part separation. Okay. So for example, for me, I can't stand um, really dirty stuff. Like if someone says to me, sit, I was literally had this happen where I was in Lowe's and a friend said, oh, look at this. You know, this is a really nice outdoor patio. Sit down on it. And I looked at it and I said, I can't. And he's like, why? And I'm like, I just can't. There's a part of me. I just can't sit on it. And he said, why? I said, well, I have this germ thing. And look, there's like five or six black hairs on this. There's a stain on that. Someone got food on this. And I started pointing out all the things that I could see that he couldn't see. And then once he saw it, I'm like, now, would you want to sit on that? And he's like, oh, I'd be questionable too. I'm like, okay. So there's a part of me that is sort of like a germ, you know, like dirtiness. I'm going to be hyperly sensitive about that and I'll, and I'll see it. Some people are the same about fear of heights or fear about being around a dog or, you know, certain, you know, driving by a truck on the freeway. A lot of people, you know, there's like a part of them that gets really scared. I can't stand it, you know, and they speed past it. So when you do NLP, you can literally help heal and repair those fragmented parts of yourself. And there, it's great for trauma. It's great for PTSD. Um, I've, oh, I've done, it's great for inner child work as well. And, um, and any kind of inner conflicts or turmoil, people that have addictions or bad habits, um, even for, you know, for weight loss. Um, so it, it just, NLP is great. And you can take those parts that you connect together and you can do what you call a future pace where you take them out in the future and let's see what we can do together. You know, instead of being at odds with each other, let's see what we can do together as a whole. So that's the best way I can um, describe it. And it's so, it's so perfect because let's say for example, for weight loss, you're, it feels like you're forcing yourself to do it every single day, but when it's hypnotherapy, it becomes automatic. You're not forcing yourself. You're not thinking about it. You just start making healthier food choices. You start to look at food differently. You know, instead of, you know, just eating whatever you want, now you have the mindset you're eating to live and you mm -hmm. want to live. And that's why I tell people weight loss is a negative word. So I don't like to use weight loss. I like to use, you're making a lifestyle change. You're making healthier food choices. You're not doing it to lose weight. You're doing it to be healthy. Because there are some people that, as you know, can have extra pounds on them, but they're super healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think giving the giving the permission back to the patient or the client or the, um, the person that you're working with is a, is a really um, empowering piece, too, because like you were saying, you can't really be hypnotized if you don't want to. Right. right? And you're giving the mindset shift and um, allowing that person to own it and to view it in a way that's going to be relatable and healthy for them, which I really right. love. 
Yeah, I think I was talking to a, a girlfriend this morning, actually, about hypnosis, um, recon recommending it to her. And I was sort of explaining that it can be almost like you're rewriting the computer program that is your mind. You are. You're rewiring your brain. You're creating new neural networks. So think of it this way is um, there's a really great movie out there. It's called What the Bleep Do We Know? And they talked about anger. And there was one scene in there where it said, think of your brain as a thunderstorm. There's all this activity going on. And so when you get angry, it's that electrical charge. But what happens is, is when you keep having situations or life events that create more anger and more anger, it's, it's like you're feeding it and it gets more power. And then what happens is, it then can anchor in, it can literally anchor into another, you know, pathway. And then when you have similar situations like that, your immediate response is anger, 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 anger. But what happens is, is when you find yourself with hypnosis is what we're doing is we're deactivating that anger switch and we're creating a new positive one. So that's why I tell people it takes 30 days for a new habit to become a permanent behavior. You want to listen to your process that you have for at least 30 days every day because you literally are rewiring your brain. You're deactivating the, 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 the behaviors and patterns that don't serve you and you're creating the new positive ones that will give you, you know, the, the changes that you seek. And so it's really important to be, you know, consistent, you know, with it in, in that area, because then soon you'll notice you'll have those life events, but you won't get angered anymore. You know, you'll be able to be, you'll be able to respond instead of react. Yes. And one word that comes to mind as you're describing this is trigger. And that's yeah. sort of a hot word right now. Can you speak to that and sort of how that plays into this experience of having that uh, neural pathway anchored in? Well, it is all about um, triggers and all of us do have certain triggers. Like I was talking about my trigger with the germ, you know, thing, that's a trigger. And so a trigger is where you had a certain life event happen that was, let's say, pretty traumatic for you. Okay. And everyone can have different life experiences. So we can't undermine anyone's experience. So for example, if uh, a little kid was in the grocery store and couldn't find their mommy, that could be terrifying and life-changing for them. So when that person becomes an adult and they don't see their partner, let's say they lose their partner in a crowd, that can be a trigger. And then they see that person again and they get all angry and fired up and everything. So they need to work on that, that trigger because a trigger is associated with memories and emotions that are trapped. Mm. Think of it as they're really trapped within you and <clears throat> it ignites. And the key important thing is to be consciously aware of those triggers because when you're not consciously aware you're on automatic pilot and you can scare the other person because you are triggered and they can think you're crazy and not understand what's going on with you so that's why i tell people it's really important when you do calm down tell the person you're with you know apologize i'm sorry 
You know, I wasn't myself. I went literally, I can go way deep down the rabbit hole on this. You got stuck in your survivor brain, mm-hmm. you weren't yourself and, um, and you got triggered. And so you responded coming from that triggered place. Yeah. And, and to say, I apologize. I, you know, I was not, you know, my authentic self. I, you know, I, I got reactive instead of responding. And so triggers really are that. But the beautiful thing is you can fix those triggers. You can remove triggers. And so you can have those life events again. I mean, I've I've been in situations where I've had the trigger life events happen. And literally you can beam like this, the a rainbow because you're so excited. It doesn't trigger you anymore. Right. that's pretty amazing progress. It feels like such a big feat just maybe for, for a mom who's sitting at home listening to this, like um, sometimes even identifying triggers can be a feat. Like I've recently uh, in the last few years identified that like my kids not listening to me, hugely triggering for me. And I know that there's work there to be done to figure out why and then fix it. Um, and so I think that that's half the battle too, is like you said, really understanding what triggers you and then getting the help and doing the work to understand why and how do we fix it? Right. And so yeah. like for what you were just giving the example of is <clears throat> someone when you were growing up, didn't listen to you mm-hmm. and they didn't respect you. And so it's really getting to the point where, and it's and it's beautiful that you can recognize it because a lot of times when we're parenting, we forget that our kids are kids. We have to remember that their brain is still developing. They're still, you know, learning what is right and wrong. Um, they are your main boundary pusher. Yes. <laughs> they are. You know, they will, they, and they, they do and that, and they're going to know all your trigger points. They're going to know all, all what, what gets mommy, you know, hair flying and what gets mommy calm and relaxed. They, they know, and they know how to manipulate. They know how to, you know, get what they want from mommy. I always say when we go grocery shopping, the, the checkout aisles that have all the candy is torture for parents. Don't do that. You know? Yes. <laughs> Because the kids are going to look at the candy and they're standing there in line with you. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, right? They're, they're our biggest agitators, but they're our biggest teachers too. Sometimes they are. I think they're our greatest teachers for patience. Yes. Yeah. And also self-understanding. If you can be open to learning the lessons and saying like, what does this mean for me? Why am I feeling this way? How can I adjust? Like, what is it specifically that's upsetting me? Because I used to get upset over, um, you know, seemingly small things. And then I started to pay attention, like, where am I in my cycle? Have I had enough sleep? Have I eaten? Like, what are the other circumstances where sometimes this triggers me and sometimes I'm okay? And so it might not be always. And that's another thing to consider is that your unique circumstances at any point in time can make you more or less susceptible to falling into that trap of quick to anger or whatever, whatever's happening for you. Right. Well, and we have to realize too, that the way that we were parented, we cannot parent our kids, Mm -hmm. period, because 
you know, you're, there's 20 years difference, there's 30 years difference, and there's new information out there, and there's new ways, you know, of, of, of parenting. I mean, I, it shocks people sometimes when I tell them that only once did I have to wear the stupid dunce hat in school. And people are like, what? They made you do that stuff? And yeah, I, I had to when I was in fifth grade. And it was because my handwriting was not, my cursive was not the way he wanted it to be. And I was left-handed and the majority of the kids in the class were right-handed. And so I immediately, you know, was like, oh, you're a target there. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yes, um, there, you know, back then teachers could shame you. They could, you know, you know, some, you know, like 10 years after I was born, they could, I think, actually hit you. They could hit you with a ruler and stuff. I mean, we've heard stories about that. So the way that we as a society as a whole has evolved in terms of parenting, I think is amazing. And we, you know, we still have a lot, a lot of ways to go, but yeah, we're, we're definitely making progress. And, and mm-hmm. sometimes when it's something super serious for a kid, I tell people you need to get down on your knees on their level and do direct eye contact because we're so big compared to them. I mean, imagine us having a conversation with someone. Yeah, it makes us feel uncomfortable. I mean, especially, you know, women where a man's like so tall and we're looking way up to them. Well, that's how kids are all the time with us. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. And I always do my best to think about them as people, you know, and not just as kids or whatever. And I think that such a big part of parenting now that people are realizing too, is you need to parent yourself and you need to like get your own stuff in order before you can be the parent you want to be to your kids. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was a vow I made with myself as I wanted to be financially, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, all of that, you know, ready before I was going to have, you know, a a kid because I grew up in a definitely dysfunctional home environment and I wanted to make sure that I didn't repeat those patterns. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that we're more conscious now. I think that's fantastic. And, and I mean, outside of parenting too, I think that um, in general, this, um, this generation and moving forward seems to be much more conscious in all of their uh, decision-making and and parenting and self, you know, self-care and things like that. So that makes me really hopeful and happy. Um, And before I run out of time with you, I wanted to touch on the book, the the term narcissist. I know that that's something people are going to be super curious about. So since I have you and your expertise, (laughs) I'd love um, to talk a little bit about that. Yes. Um, Well, a lot, why I wrote the book was during my recovery process, I could not find one book out there where someone told their story. There's lots of books out there of, well, what's gaslighting? You know, what is a narcissist? What to look for in recovery? But I wanted someone's story. And why I wanted someone's story is that sticks a story really sticks. So it's like you could read a textbook and get all this information, like a lot of the other ones I was reading, but not when you, not until you hear in a story, can you really grasp it? You grasp the concept. And 
that story can stick with you five years down the road, 10 years down the road. And, but then all this, uh, I mean, think about the stuff we learned in high school. A lot of that we don't remember, but there's certain main impactful things like sometimes, you know, like if you were told a history story or if you read a book in English, you'll remember still parts in that book, you know, what you learned. And so I really wrote it to save people's lives and to spare children and families because I was dealing with someone that was a covert narcissist that went undetected by over a dozen professionals. And I'm talking a judge, attorneys, parent coordinators, child psychologists, therapists, counselors, social workers, um, school principal, teachers. So the main thing is um, I lost custody of my son for eight months because he was able to convince the judge that if our son lived with him, all his autism behaviors would go away. Hmm. And she bought it. But the thing is, is no one was educated in trauma because our son still has autism, but none of the behaviors. So what was it? Was it trauma or was it autism? It was trauma. And it's every behavior... Every behavior is a form of communication. Yeah. Okay. And that's the thing they didn't grasp is, no, these behaviors is his way of communicating that I don't like this. I don't want to do this. I'm terrified of this. And even though he would verbally voice it, um, people can flip the script where it makes it seem like, oh, no, she's feeding this information. And, and that's the hard part is you can, and so I tell you the, the mistakes that I made. I tell you what people missed. I tell you how to decode and detect who is really the victim and who is a narcissist. I, I tell you, um, you know, what, what should have been done, what questions should have been asked, you know, what were the red flags that people missed. And I, I put it all in there because I was told what happened to us happens every single day, every single day. And they go undetected because a lot of people aren't educated and informed. Mm -hmm. And, and the thing is, is it impacts kids. And that the saddest thing my, my son says to me is I wish I was a child again. My dad robbed me of my childhood. I wished I was a child again. And that's the real important thing is, you know, when we're dealing with the whole custody stuff and all of that, we have to remember that we have to put the kid first. It's not about what I want. It's not about what he wants. What does this child need? What does this child want? And to really listen to that child. And if the child is saying a certain thing, well, why does the child want that? Mm -hmm. And, and, and so it's really, I wrote it to hopefully stop breaking a cycle of abuse that's going undetected um, because I was, um, I was told by domestic violence advocate that what happened to us was a crime. It's literally considered a crime in other countries, but in the U S they can get away with it. And I was told what our son experienced was definitely child abuse. And, and it was but they didn't know how to recognize the signs of child abuse. Right. 
And so, um, and so I wrote it to really help people. Whoever is in a situation that was similar to, to mine, you're dealing with anyone that is um, high conflict or toxic relationship or the person's abusive or manipulating. The book is a, a tool to really protect you and to protect your kiddos and to just make sure, you know, that they don't get undetected. And, and to also, I wrote it for people that are narcissistic to show them that when you do these things, you can never take it back. That child will never look at you the same way again. That child will never love you the way that you want them to love you again. Because you're, because they, what's so hard is when the person's narcissistic, they get really fixated and they have that tunnel vision of, I'm going to do this and they have to win. But the thing is, is they will destroy themselves in the process of wanting to win and not thinking of the debris they left in, you know, behind them because they hurt so many people and they don't realize it. And, and, and I don't want that to happen either. So I wrote it for basically everyone. And I, you know, wrote it for even the narcissist to realize that, Hey, you know, you're, you're altering a child's life forever. And this child is a part of you. It's a, it's a part of you. You created it. And so it should be treated with respect and kindness and love and, and courtesy, you know, and, and, and how the child does feel and think matters. You know, it, it, it really, it, it does. And just because we're adults and we think we know what's best for the child, a lot of times, sometimes we don't, you know. 100%. Yeah. And I think um, I also have an autistic son. And so I can understand and relate to sometimes the the way that they're verbalizing might not always be the full story. They might not have the right. tools to tell you how they're feeling. They're, they might not know how to, they might not right. want to. There's a million things. And so for that specifically as well, that can really add a whole other dimension to that. So I'm sorry that you had to go through that. And I thank you for being so brave to share your story because it will help a lot of people. Yes, I know it will help a lot of people. Well, and that's the thing is a lot of people encouraged me to write it. They were like, oh my God, you need to write this. You need to tell you know your story. Because when I, I was sharing my story with various people, they were like, oh my God, that, you know, they were like, that that could be a book, that could be a movie, that's just crazy. And I'm like, yeah, but that really happened. And it happens all the time. And, and this stuff has to stop. So like yeah. you said in the beginning of this, I'm talking about really uncomfortable conversations that people don't want to talk about, but it, it's happening to people right now all the time. And we, if you want to stop that, you know, it's like you want to stop racism. You want to, you know, have more equality. You got to talk about these really uncomfortable situations. You got to bring it out of the dark and into the light and make it not so scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I tough. feel it is because a narcissist isn't born. A lot of people don't realize that they're not born that way. We create them. Mm. And if you don't like them, then we got to stop creating them and we got to take responsibility because it's three different ways we it's the authoritarian parent, the absent parent, the neglectful parent, 
then it's bullying, child abuse, and trauma. Those are the six ways someone, you know, turns into a person that's narcissistic. And, but there's ways you can, you can revert it and they can change. I've actually helped a few, you know, people that are narcissistic change. So there is help out there for them also, if, you know, they, they want to, you know, there's, there's options. Mm-hmm. Well, you're doing so much good in the world. Um, how can people connect with you and learn more from you? You mentioned your website. Where do you hang out online? How can people find you? So the website is undetectednarcissist.com. I'm on Instagram and Twitter. It's Angela Meyer UN. I'm on Facebook. Um, I do have a YouTube channel, but it's basically just the the podcast that I have. So the podcast is the Undetected Narcissist. And there on the website there is blog posts and there's um so much free information on there. I talk about fear of dating another narcissist, um, healing from narcissist abuse. I talk about attachment styles. I talk about reactive abuse. Um, I There's so much stuff on there that um, you can learn a lot. Let's just put it this way. You can, you can <laughs> learn a lot from, from all of it. And it's, it's perfect because once you have the information, like I said earlier, you're, you're not going to be so reactive or triggered you know what you're dealing with and what's going on. So then you know how to respond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, those tools sound incredibly valuable and I will make sure that everything gets linked up in the show notes so that people can learn when they're, you know, there's so many topics that you're, um, that you're educated on and educating us on. So I'm sure that there will be lots of people headed your way. So thank you again for coming on the the pod today. It was so lovely to chat with you. Same here. I should tell you the book is on Amazon. Um, I think it's like $13.99 and the Kindle is like $9.99. So perfect. So accessible. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you, Angela. I want to thank you so much for tuning into the Grow Like a Mother podcast this week. You can find more great tips, motivation, inspiration, and community on Instagram and Facebook at Grow Like a Mother on both platforms. And if you enjoyed today's show and wish that you had found it sooner, I invite you to leave a rating or a review wherever you're listening. Doing so really helps promote the show to other moms just like you who want to grow and level up in their lives. And if you want to stay connected by email, I invite you to sign up for the email list by visiting the website, which is www.livingwithheart.ca, or diving into the free five-part video series that I recorded just for you. You can find all of the links and the details in the show notes. Until next week, keep on growing like a mother.